Hello, Philip Terzian here, Literary Editor of the Weekly Standard. I wanted to take a few minutes to give you a little preview of the Books and Arts section of the January 27th issue of the Weekly Standard, which, as always, I believe, is designed with readers in mind, and I think you will find of interest for all kinds of interests coming to our magazine. The lead piece is a wonderful essay by William Pritchard, professor of English at Amherst, about Jack London, and it's a It's a review of a biography of Jack London, Jack London and American Life by Earl Labor, spelled like the word labor. It's a interesting question. Part of what drew me to the book was that when I was in school, which was some decades ago, Jack London was, of course, a staple of high school literary anthologies. His novel, The Call of the Wild, his novel, The Sea Wolf, his story, To Build a Fire, and others were uh, something that most high school English students were well acquainted with. And, of course, there was a famous movie made of The Call of the Wild in the mid-30s with Clark Gable and uh, Loretta Young. And I wondered to what degree Jack London's reputation, literary reputation, has survived. And I guess the fact that there have been more than a few London biographies in recent years, and of course the Library of America came out with a Jack London volume a few years ago, suggests it's still there. What's of interest, too, and which Professor Pritchard goes into a bit, is that there were other aspects to Jack London. He, of course, was a socialist and a kind of um, journalist, uh, almost a political journalist in some ways, in addition to being a, a fiction writer. And as has been said of some other writers, like Scott Fitzgerald, one of Jack London's greatest inventions was his own life. Uh, the adventures, he was born in, in Oakland, California, and grew up on the docks of San Francisco, and he worked as a stevedore and a uh, merchant mariner, and went to the South Seas, and up to Alaska, and to the Klondike, and, and much of his fiction, of course, was based on his own experience. So it's very interesting to go back over this life, which ended in 1916, somewhat prematurely, but it's a life that obviously spoke then and still speaks to Americans, and I was intrigued to know what the current thinking is on the subject, and I think William Pritchard's essay gives us a very good idea. The next piece in the section is a somewhat unexpected volume called Heart, an American Medical Odyssey, and the author is not someone who you might expect. It's Dick Cheney, the former vice president, and his co-author is a physician, Jonathan Reiner, M.D. Dick Cheney, of course, in addition to his decades of public service, has been a cardiac patient for quite some time. He had his first coronary in the 1970s when he was just in his 30s, and a year or two ago uh, had a heart transplant and appears to be, I'm pleased to report, in excellent health. But this is a fascinating account by Cheney and Dr. Reiner of his cardiac history, and it is so long, frankly, that uh, it charts not only his own personal medical odyssey, but to some degree the uh, forward march of uh, cardiology in America in the late 20th and early 21st centuries. So it's a wonderful book. I, I think uh, no matter what you may think of 
Dick Cheney's politics or anything else. He's a fascinating figure and a courageous figure and an extraordinary uh, story he tells here that Tevi Troy, who's the author of that recent book, What Jefferson Read, Ike Watched, and Obama Tweeted, 200 Years of Popular Culture in the White House, he reviews it for me. And Tevi's a very good writer and makes a fascinating subject even more interesting. Joseph Bottom, who is my predecessor as literary editor of the Weekly Standard, has done a review of a book called Vincent of Lerain and the Development of Christian Doctrine by Thomas Guarino, which sounds a little dry as dust, and I myself am a little resistant to theology as a general subject for general readers, but Jody manages to make it very interesting because Vincent, uh, who was a, or I suppose it's Vincent since he was French, he was a French monk of the 5th century, a very early Christian writer who is often cited as a primary authority for the authority of precedent and tradition in church teaching and church practice. And Thomas Guarino, the author, actually offers a new and fresh interpretation of Vincent, which suggests that he's a far more nuanced and complicated thinker than we've uh, than we've tended to think, and that his admirers and detractors may have the wrong impression about him. Jody is very, very good at making arcane subjects not only uh, comprehensible, but interesting. And it's a, it's, a, it's a very skillful piece, and I really enjoyed reading it, and I think you will too. Uh, Eve Tushnet, who blogs about the arts quite routinely and writes for the standard uh, regularly on uh, theater and uh, art exhibitions and others, has done a review of a new novel by Donna Tart called The Goldfinch. I was reading a complaint from somebody the other day on Facebook that they are seeing these long lines at the Frick Museum in New York, which they thought was for uh, Vermeer's painting of the girl with the gold earring, but they suspect that it's people lining up to see a, a 17th century Flemish painting called The Goldfinch, which is actually the subject of this novel. It it appears in the novel because the painting gets stolen by the protagonist when he's a boy. But obviously it's a novel that has um, gaining a something of a, I hesitate to say a cult following, but it, it has a following, and Eve explains what's compelling about it and why people are reading it and why they're going to the Frick to see the painting that is uh, the centerpiece of the novel and appears on its dust jacket. Finally, our film review this week is by John Podhoritz, as always, and it's a review of Saving Mr. Banks, which is the Disney Studios account of Walt Disney's two-decade-long attempt to get the rights to Mary Poppins from the author, an Englishwoman named P.L. Travers, so that they could make the movie, which we all know is starring Julie Andrews, which was done in 1964. And John tells an interesting story. The movie, which stars Tom Hanks as Walt Disney and Emma Thompson as P.L. Travers, depicts P.L. Travers as a kind of prickly, difficult, if not unreasonable, English woman who's very resistant to the 
charming blandishments of Walt Disney. And John makes the point that real life is a little more complicated than that, that that P.L. Travers was nowhere near the unreasonable harridan that she's portrayed as, as in the movie, and that, in fact, she was just an author who had a reasonable uh, interest in preserving the integrity of her work. The Disney studio uh, gives its version of events, and, of course, Lord knows where the truth lies. But it sounds like an interesting film, and as always, John writes a very interesting and uh, thought-provoking review. So I hope these will be of some interest to you in the January 27th issue. I look forward to uh, talking with you about our next issue in a few days. Thanks.